Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. I'm doing a sermon about the mark of the beast today. Have you heard of the mark of the beast? I'm going to try and stick with what's important and clear in the Bible. You can sometimes be in a beautiful forest, but you're so focused on one tree, one type of tree, or one little tree, that you forget the beauty of the whole forest. And it's possible with the end times that you focus on one little detail, or one little area of controversy, and you get all worked up about it, and you miss the wood for the trees. And I'm going to try and give you the woods today, with a few trees which are the clear trees, because there are genuine, lovely, clever, beautiful Christians who differ on these points. You know, in Romans 14, he says, don't argue about disputable matters. There are some things in Christianity that are clear, black and white, and we must not diverge. But then there are lots of disputable gray areas where it's okay for good Christians to have different opinions. Did you know that? That's freeing, isn't it? I praise the Lord for that. I don't have to be right all the time, and I don't have to force you to agree with me, or you force me to agree with you. Hallelujah! We're unified because Jesus saved us, not because we agree on every minute detail. Isn't that right? Wow. But the end times is important. So, I'm going to be reading a lot, and I hope to get through it today. Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he is trying to comfort and encourage them that they don't get frightened about the end times. And that's my first point and my main point today is don't be frightened because many people are frightened at the moment. They think getting the vaccine might be the mark of the beast or registering for something, getting a, I don't know, everyone's got an opinion. and. Everyone is frightened, not everyone, but a lot of people are frightened. And Jesus said, verse 2, Matthew 24, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say, not one stone shall be left here upon another and shall not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? That's what people are asking today. When is the end of the world? What is the sign that we should be looking for? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Please realize what Jesus was saying. The reason he was giving us the signs is to give us calm assurance, not to make us more paranoid. <laughs> Hallelujah. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all names, nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So the first sign that we're at the end 
The Bible speaks in various books of the Bible about an end period of seven years called the tribulation. And it is clear that it is seven years. Uh, it's mentioned in Revelation, in Daniel, in various places. And it's always seven years. Sometimes it uses funny language. So sometimes for the three and a half years, there's a halfway split in the middle of the three of the seven years. And for three and a half years, sometimes it plainly says three and a half years. Other times it says times, time and half a time, which is just a weird way of saying two years, one year and half a year, three and a half years. Other times it says 1,260 days, which is just another way of saying three and a half years. And it says there's two bits of three and a half years. And if you add them up, you get seven years. And virtually every Christian agrees on this. There's no debate on this. And that is the end. And we don't have to worry until that comes. And many Christians, I would say most, think we're going to be raptured before that seven years anyway. But I don't, but that's not important. The main thing is, you don't have to worry until the seven years. And if we get raptured, you don't even have to worry at all. Whew. You can go home now. Right. Verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Daniel prophesied a thing called the abomination of desolation that would come into the temple in Jerusalem and set itself up to be worshipped in Jerusalem in the temple. Revelation makes it clear that happens after three and a half years of the tribulation. But you've got to have a temple in Jerusalem first for this to happen. And we don't have one yet. Phew! Don't have to worry. But one day we will. But we'll know when it comes. Because he didn't give us this to make us more worried. He gave it to make us less worried. So that we don't have to fear. Oh, okay, there's no temple. I don't have to stress too much yet. You say, great, this isn't like most preachers. Most preachers make me want to get more worried. Listen to how Jesus says this. And you'll get the, the sense of what he's saying. Verse eight, uh, 17, sorry, 16. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So he's talking about the Jewish people when this happens, when the abomination, when something is set up in the temple to be worshipped, then you flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake those days will be shortened. Then if someone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Can you see he's trying to calm us down, not, not rile us up. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, 
That's talking about the rapture from one end of heaven to the other. The rapture is when we get taken up. So Jesus says that um, two people will be lying in bed and one will just not be there anymore. It's the rapture spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4 as well. Some people think it comes before the tribulation. Some think it comes after. But either way, it's within the space of seven years. And Jesus is coming back very soon. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. And then he says you'll learn from the fig tree. And then verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour that your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So there's two purposes here. The second passage seems to be different from the first. The first he's saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. The second he's saying, be ready, be ready, be ready. And because of those two, we often do worry and we're not ready. <laughs> he says, don't worry, because I'll make it clear to you. And I'm going to read some other verses where he shows he'll make it so clear. So don't let yourselves be troubled and anxious, but be ready for Jesus coming. How do I be ready? I keep my life right with God. I say, Lord, I love you. I worship you. Like the virgins with oil filled in their, in their flasks, I'm always full of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready for the Lord at any time. But I'm also not panicking. The alternative is I'm thinking, oh, it's going to happen any time. And so I'm looking at every news report and I'm panicking and I'm not focusing on Jesus and getting filled with the Spirit. And I want us to be that group of people who are ready. If Jesus came back today, I'm ready to go to heaven. But I'm not panicking looking at every single thing because it's quite clear that these signs that he's speaking of are so big that you couldn't miss them. You wouldn't have to try and work out, is there a microchip in the vaccine? <laughs> you wouldn't have to work out, does that man's name, if I put numbers to the letters, add up to 666? You wouldn't have to because he's saying, I'm going to make it so plain. It's so big an event. I'm going to make it so plain, and I'm telling you in advance that you don't have to fear. Right, 2 Thessalonians 2. Now Paul is giving a similar story, trying to make them not worry. Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. How much more plain can it be said? Don't be troubled. <laughs> Don't be anxious. We ask you not to be shaken or troubled, as if it had come from us. If someone says, the Lord has told me this, this, or this. He says, Don't be troubled. Then he goes on. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist or the beast, 
who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He says none of this will happen until the Antichrist comes, and you'll know it's him because he sits in the temple in Jerusalem and says, worship me, I'm God. Phew! Bill Gates is not the Antichrist. Hallelujah! He's not sitting in the temple saying, worship me. Can you see how we get all weird about these things? And the reason he gives us so much clarity is he says, I don't want you to be stressed. You know it's happening because there's an antichrist who is so plain and obvious that he sits in the temple and asks to be worshipped. The temple hasn't been rebuilt. There's no one doing that yet. Now, why did Jesus say, you don't know the day or the hour, be ready? And why is there so much debate among Christians? Maybe the rapture happens before, middle, after. Because we don't know for sure when we're going to be raptured. And all we've got to do is make our hearts right with God all the time. But regarding the end time signs, it will be so clear. No Christian will be able to miss it. The beast will be obvious. The whole, he's ruling the whole world. He's got a right-hand man who's his mouthpiece prophet. He's a, a man who creates a peace treaty for seven years with Israel and the rest of the world. He sits in Jerusalem in the temple and after three and a half years, he says, worship me or this image of me. I mean, that's pretty clear, isn't it? And all Christians agree on this. These aren't debatable facts. This is what everyone understands. The only things we disagree on is when the rapture might happen. Okay, I'm going to go quickly now through the seven seals then the seven trumpets, then the seven bowls. I want to go fast. The seven seals. So in Revelation 6, he speaks about seven seals that will be opened and bad things will happen. During the seven years of tribulation, there are seven seals that are opened and there are varying degrees of bad things that happen. Then there's seven trumpets that are open and the seven trumpets come in the seventh seal. So they kind of, they're like those nested eggs. You know when you put eggs within eggs? I don't even know if I'm describing that correctly. You, what are they called? Russian dolls. You know when you put a doll within a doll within a doll? It's kind of like that. The seven trumpets, the seven seals, the seven balls. No one really knows. Are they all within each other? Within, are they one after the other? But they all happen within seven years. We know that. We know after three and a half years, the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple to be worshipped. We know that. We know there's 777 of these seals, bowls, and trumpets. But because it mentions three and a half years so many times, it can't all fit into seven years, so there must be an overlap. How much of an overlap? I don't know. But I don't need to know. I just need to have my heart ready with God. And when the things happen... It'll be clear and I can say, oh, God told me before and now I see what he was talking about. And I'm going to tell you from scripture what they are so that you can see how big a deal they are. Revelation 6 verse 2, the first seal. And I looked and behold a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering to conquer. That's the beast, the Antichrist. He comes, that's the first seal is open. Second seal, verse 4. Another horse, fiery red, went out. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take Peace from the earth that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. There's going to be a lot of wars. 
Third seal, Revelation 6. I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, do not harm the oil and the wine. To put that in today's language, it would be saying a loaf of bread is 300 pounds. Inflation, terrible hardship and lack of food. Fourth seal, Revelation 6 verse 8. So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him. Power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beasts of the earth. A fourth of the earth, 25% of the world's population die in the space of a, a few months. Friends, we would know when that had happened. Amen? You know, they're talking about COVID as if it's this terrible pandemic. You know what percentage? So this is 25% of the earth will die. You know what percent of the earth have died? In 1350 AD, there was the Black Death. It killed 150 million people and 40.5% of the world's population were killed. That's shocking. In 545 AD, there was the Plague of Justinian. 60 million people died. It was 28.6% of the world's population. The Spanish flu in 1918, 80 million was 4.4% of the world's population. There was another plague around 1900 AD that killed 0.8% of the world's population. World War II, 0.7%. World War I, 0.5%. HIV, 0.5%. Oh, I lied about COVID. It's 0.1%. But then the last one is the fourth seal, which I've just read, is 25%. And then later, the sixth trumpet is another 33%, and those together add up to 50% of the world's population. You say to me, Greg, 33% plus 25% does not add up to 50. Yes, it does. 25% are gone, leaves you 75, and then 33% of 75 is another 25. You add 25 plus 25, you get 50. Don't argue with me on maths. Okay. <laughs> right. The fifth seal, Revelation 6 verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony. There are martyrs, a lot of martyrs, and they're crying out to God. That's the fifth seal. Martyrs are people who die for their faith. The sixth seal, when he opened the sixth seal, verse 12, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black. The moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when shaken by a mighty wind. The sky receded as a scroll. Every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Do you think this could happen without us realizing? Serious question. An earthquake, the sun going dark, all this, a whole bunch of stars falling out, and an, this earthquake is so big that every mountain and island is moved out of its place. We would know. Amen? Please, it's not because somebody put a patent that had the number 666 in it. Come on, people, let's be reasonable. And, and he goes on to talk about the sixth seal. You can read it for yourself. Right, the seven trumpets. Revelation 8, verse 7. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. They were thrown to the earth. A third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. There's no more grass on the whole planet, and a third of the trees die. That's a serious sign that we would know. And this isn't even before the three and a half years, I don't think. This is still, it's debatable, but it's, it's within the seven years. We would know. 
Second trumpet, Revelation 8 verse 8. Then the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of all the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. That would be news. We would know if that had happened. Calm down, Christians. We're okay. Trumpet 3, Revelation 8 verse 10. Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. It fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. The rivers, the, the fresh water now becomes undrinkable, a lot of it. Trumpet 4, 8 verse 11. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Something serious happens where we can't see the stars, the sun, or the moon properly anymore. Trumpet 5, Revelation 9, verse 3. Out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. For you, when you get stung by this thing, whatever it is, this locust scorpion thing, for five months you have unbearable pain, but you can't die. Trumpet 6, verse 15 of Revelation 9. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour were released to kill a third of mankind. Again, massive, massive events that we would know about. Take comfort. I've told you beforehand, Jesus said, so that you will not be troubled. The seven bowls, Revelation 16. Now it's getting really serious. 16 verse 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Second bowl, verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of dead men, and every living creature in the sea died. Every living creature in the sea died. Bowl 3, Revelation 16, 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. All the fresh water becomes unfresh and undrinkable. Bowl 4, Revelation 6, verse 8. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with great heat. They blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. Bowl 5, Revelation 16:10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness. They gnawed their tongues because of pain. Bowl 6, Revelation 16:12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates water dried up so that the kings of the east might be prepared and trumpet seven seal seven and bowl seven i haven't read them because they're all saying that's the end when jesus comes back and the kingdom comes back so there's some overlap seal trumpet bowl there's overlap number seven all seems to be the end some of them go in sequence some of them overlap we know it's seven years we know the beast is set up in the temple on year three and a half but now I just want to tell you why I don't think we need to worry about the mark of the beast right now. And I'm going quickly, but I want to comfort you with this. Revelation 14, verse 6. The mark of the beast is the Antichrist gets a mark 
which is 666, which he puts on people and no one can buy or sell without it. But Revelation 14 and verse 6 says this, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So there's going to be an angel, an angelic being that flies around and everyone hears the gospel. Verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made the heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Verse 8, another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel. So this is in the seven years of tribulation. There are three angelic voices. And this, listen to this third one that announces to the whole planet. A third angel followed them, flying across the sky, announcing to everyone with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. God is so concerned about us not being worried that even if we haven't been raptured, because some people will get saved after the rapture, even those who remain, he sends an angel to announce, don't get the mark of the beast, so no one can get it by mistake. You can't. And the reason Jesus said all these things, see that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled. John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be the light shining kind of Christians. Not the Christians who hide our light under a basket. The ones who are full of faith who are full of hope, who are full of peace, who trust you, the Lord who told us in advance of all the things that would happen so that we could have peace. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to shine your hope and your joy to those around us, to lead many to Christ. Lord, you said that only when your gospel had been preached to every nationality would the end come. Help us, Lord, to preach your gospel to every nationality. And help us, Lord, to be at peace with your Spirit. To be filled with your Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.